You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Andre Champagne, and today we are joined by Nathan Messina and Raven Freeman today. How are we doing? Doing good, man. Happy to be here. I'm doing well. How are you doing, Andre? I'm, I'm doing good, and we are now through week three of college football and week two of this NFL season, so let's get started. Let's start off in the NFL. On Sunday, the Baltimore Ravens defeated the Cincinnati Bengals to improve to 2-0. and This one was a very close game, and it was a little bit sloppy, so starting off with the Bengals, what is the problem just with them in general? I mean, I don't know that it's any, like, one specific thing. I think maybe you could point to the offensive coaching a little bit. Um, I feel like their scheming just has not been good. But obviously Joe has been a little bit of a problem. His play has been a little uh, subpar. But we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was about to say, besides Joe Burrow not being his healthiest, I would say the amount of penalties this team puts up. I mean, on Sunday, they committed seven penalties, giving up 42 yards. And then – you can just tell there's a lot of frustration on this team right now. They're putting it all on their opponents in a negative way and on each other. Players have been arguing, have been seen arguing on the sidelines during both their games this season. It just seems very toxic, which is unusual for the Bengals. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of been to- toxic, and that's the kind of stuff you would have kind of looked for if Eli Apple was still on the team, but he's not. But right now, I think for the Bengals, it's a coaching problem. I think the Bengals just look so unprepared to play both of these teams that they started off with that they forgot what they're completely capable of. I mean, losing those two safeties and Von Bell and then Jesse Bates, really big loss. And then, honestly, losing Eli Apple is kind of hurting them too because now offenses are kind of just rolling on their on their defense. But why is Joe Burrow starting so slow? Is it the calf injury? Is he, like, not 100%? I think so. I mean, look, man, the same thing has happened with Joe pretty much every year since he's gotten in the league, right? Yeah. He just – he'll get hurt. He'll miss, like, pretty much all of training camp, and then he'll get off to a slow start. And then he'll And then the Bengals will just blow up again, and they'll be the Bengals, and the Joe Burrow will be Joe Burrow. And I think you just got to be patient. Obviously – I don't know if they had an 0-2 start in any of those years. I don't. They did. They did? Yeah. Okay. The past two years. Okay. But then look, man, yeah. I, I think that you don't have a, a whole lot to worry about. Yeah. Don't panic. You've seen this happen before. Like, you guys are going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I still disagree. I don't know how you guys are so calm. I mean, the podcast before the NFL started, y'all were like, oh, he's 100%. He'll be fine. But, I mean, he's not, and he's playing it safe. On Sunday, it was reported that he re-aggravated his calf, which is why he was seen limping after the game they played against the Ravens. I mean, he looked a little bit better. Well, he looked a lot better than he did week one. Mm -hmm. He threw for 222 yards, two touchdowns, and only had one interception. But this is not the dominant Joe Burrow we all know. And I think it's because of this injury. I feel like this one is more severe than what we've seen in past seasons and, like, Y'all are so relaxed. I'm really worried for this Bengals team. I wouldn't say, like, relaxed. He just doesn't look like his old self, obviously, which was, like, he's kind of athletic when he gets out of the pocket, but we haven't been seeing a lot of that. Right. I think his offensive line is obviously being back to their old self, and his receivers just weren't getting open. I I, I can't believe, like, J- Jamar Chase got held to under 80 yards against the Ravens. Yeah, and I think part yeah. of that goes back to the, the offensive coaching, like we were yeah. talking about in the – the way I think, the yeah, offense, I think they're just doing the same old thing. Like yeah. you, you can't just keep doing the same thing against a team that you were doing relatively well against in the past. But I think Joe Burrow just needs to play more his game uh, with moving outside the pocket at times when it collapses. 
kind of getting out of there. But obviously, the calf is still bothering, so he can't play his game right now. But shifting towards the Ravens, um, what does this mean for them, like this win? Look, man, Raven might be jumping in a, in a lake <laughs> is all I'm saying, dude. Yeah. Ravens look really good, man. I mean, they've got this new offense, you know, that they've got going. Uh, they're spreading the field a lot more, yep. which you haven't seen for the Ravens in like Years. a really, really, really yeah. long time. They've always just been run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And now they're actually passing and throwing. You're seeing Lamar mm-hmm. get these good throws. So those running back jokes are going to go away. Yeah. Um. I mean, and then they added Zay Flowers, too, who looks awesome. Odell looked really good, too. And then he got hurt. But yeah. yeah. So hopefully he'll be back soon. But, I mean, I think they could easily win this division, man. I mean, yeah, Nathan took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, the Ravens had a lot of hype, and people didn't think they would live up to it. But so far, they have. And like Nathan said, I might be jumping in the lake. I definitely see them winning this division, no problem. Yeah, you might be jumping in that lake. But that's that's – it's a long ways away. So I think this win not only shows that the Ravens can finally beat the Bengals, uh, because that's obviously been a problem for them in the past, but this means that the Ravens can go out and they can win the AFC North. I know it's early, but if Lamar Jackson can improve that turnover issue that he's kind of seen these first two weeks, he's been fumbling it a lot. Um, they're going to be a really sneaky team to watch out for if he can fix that. But are the Ravens a team down the stretch that can kind of compete more than an AFC North, maybe like make it to a, you know, divisional series kind of stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously it's only week two, mm-hmm. but yeah. with the way they look right now, right. Currently, I mean, yeah. if they play like this consistently, yeah. then no problem. No I problem. Like that yeah. defense, that defense is, is some strong. serious. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? You think so too? I mean, obviously you picked the Ravens to be in your Super Bowl. Has that changed? Oh no, it hasn't changed. Especially after these two weeks, they've, Proved every one of my decisions right, so y'all are gonna be eating y'all's words. I, I don't know about You'll that. You'll be the one jumping in the yeah. lake, so yeah, That's fine, yeah. But I'll be Either happy. way, we win here. Either way, we're winning. So I no, mean, I say my predictions, y'all are like, no, no. Nah, nah. I, I don't think it's crazy to say. Uh, I always thought right, that the Ravens. No, 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 no. I always thought the Ravens' defense was really good. Mm-hmm. It was always the offense that they were kind of missing some pieces. Be, Lamar yeah. never had wide receivers to throw to in the first place. That is true. But I mean, Rashad Bateman kind of stepped. Stepped up, uh, took that step forward in his game after the spring. But I, I also, will give you if cre- Odell can stay healthy, I think this team's really going to be dangerous. Yeah, I will give you credit, Raven. I didn't, I didn't yeah. think the offense was going to be this good. Thank you. Yeah, I wonder how yeah. long Odell will be out for. I don't think a report has come out yet. But that's one thing that did worry me about yesterday. Yeah, I, I'm a little worried about that. But I kind of, I, I'm starting to agree with you in terms of whether this team might go not only win the AFC North, but they might go like play spoiler to some of these teams in playoff uh, playoff games down the stretch. But obviously you can't rule out Joe Burrow yet um, in That's the true. AFC North. But again, you have Pittsburgh who kind of, you don't even know what they, you get out of them. Their defense is so good. And then their offense is just meh. That was just, if you're talking about last night's game, the Monday yeah. night football game. It was sloppy. It was sloppy. That was, dude, that was just bad football it for bad. Yeah, both I mean, teams, it was sloppy, but I think that, that defense is so good. The Steelers winning that game was a combination of the Browns being the Browns. And Still Mike is Tomlin is being Mike Tomlin. He's not yeah. going to have a losing season again. Like yeah. He's going to have another at least 500 record, and this was one of those games that is going to count towards that 500 record. Right. Yeah, and, and let's move on to the New Orleans Saints. Last night they defeated the Carolina Panthers by a score of 20-17 with another stellar defensive performance from uh, New Orleans. So let's address the offensive kind of problems. What does the New Orleans offense need to do better for them to score seven and not three when they're in that red zone? 
I want to see Taysom Hill more yeah. than in the red zone. I feel like they only use him in like outside of the red zone. Yeah, like open field. It's it's a little yeah. frustrating, man, but because uh, it it works so many times when you are in the open field, and then you get to that twenty yard line and you just like stop using him. It feels like if you use him in that red zone, he's probably scoring a touchdown. Or yeah, at least I mean, two or three plays. He even ran some plays at like running back last night. Yeah, and it, exactly. and it kind of looked impressive. It's kind of hard to bring him down. What do you think, Raven? I mean, I just feel like the O line was yep. non existent yep. in the red zone last night. I mean, Carr was forced to throw these kind of bad, quick passes. I mean, yep. it's really not his fault. Also, the lack of running backs that the Saints have right now. Don't questionable. Really help. Yeah. Right. It is questionable. But I mean, like you saw Mike Thomas having seven catches alone in the first half. I know that that really doesn't have anything to do with the red zone, but it should be a lot easier for this team to score in the red zone because they're making it down the field yeah. so much easier. Yeah, I agree. I think the offensive play calling is pitiful to begin with, um, especially when you get down to that red zone. Uh, the tight ends that you have that are so talented, you just don't find a way to utilize them. Then all you do is run it to the middle and all you can do is throw short passes over there. So the execution is just really not there. When the offensive line, um, shout out Holden Mayo, he says, can't block a phone number out there. Trevor (laughs) Penning, man. Yeah, Trevor Penning and James Hurst. That's like thing one and thing two. Uh, Those guys are really just been the – they're holding this team back. And But we have seen Derek Carr uh, last night kind of made a few bad decisions – what does he need to improve on? And is he realistically a guy that can go and win a Super Bowl for the Saints? Well, look, I, I would like to say. Oh, gosh. Here we go. You know, me, me and Andre had a discussion today. No, where, they had a disagreement. Yeah, disagreement. we did have a disagreement. <laughs> where Andre uh, last night, too, was saying that Derek Carr is bad and that, he is, and that he has played bad. And it just, it just isn't true. He wasn't good, but he wasn't bad. You know, I like everybody. He was meh. He was meh. He was meh. But, but it, I, I was expecting way more out of him. That's what I'm saying. You even, you even admitted this today. Yeah, I yeah, had this I did. in my notes. I said that the Saints fans have these like unrealistic expectations for Derek Carr. Man, to, we had Drew Brees. They so it's they, like, yeah. That doesn't make it okay. They, no, I don't think he's going to go out there and be Drew Brees, but I think his game doesn't, it doesn't mirror it, but it's as close as anyone from the NFL today that no. it mirrors. Like, like he stays in the pocket and he throws it. He doesn't go. But and he's like, not. He's not like a, a West Coast like short pass kind of guy like Drew Brees was. He can chuck it downfield. He can chuck it downfield. Drew Brees could do that too if it, he had like yeah, the open in like window. Yeah, like twenty eleven. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you have a point. Yeah. But point. anyway, my point is that Saints fans expect Derek Carr to be Drew Brees, and he's just not. And you know, Andre had even mentioned today. See, he he suggested the idea of giving somebody else a shot at quarterback, saying that Derek Carr almost doesn't even deserve the spot, which is just like absolutely well, I mean, ridiculous to me to after even that, suggest that idea. After that interception last night, I think a lot of Saints fans were like, "Really?" And so, I mean, I, oh, it was I an overreaction. Of, I think it was an overreaction, but I was like, I mean, at this point, could Jameis even be any worse than this? Like. Yes, Jameis is a thousand times worse than what you saw from Derek Carr last night. I'm look, I'm not making any excuses for that interception. It was ridiculous. It was off. He, he threw an absolute duck into like quadruple coverage. coverage yeah. It was bad. You saw it in the first game too. But even but besides that, I just, just didn't see many it's, it's what you're gonna get from Derek Carr. You're gonna get a bad interception here and there. You're gonna get, you know, bad under pressure. He's not good under pressure. When he, which is not good when you have the line the Saints have. 
but at the same time, you also get good throws downfield. You get something that you haven't seen in New Orleans in a long time, which is a bit of a clutch factor. This is true. I mean, he makes he makes these giant— I just wish he could play with that confidence all game. I guess, but that's just that's just not who he is. He's not yeah. Drew Brees. Right. He's, he's Derek He's Hart. not. He's but not, he has to he, find his strengths and play to that. I don't think he has to be taking— He does have to fix that issue, though. He has to fix that taking all these risks. You have to know a certain situation, and I think Derek Carr really struggles doing that and knowing the situation. But if he can fix that, I think the Saints will be okay. But realistically, I just don't think this is a guy that can go out and win a Super Bowl. I mean, I don't think that it's like, I don't think that it's like impossible because with Derek Carr, it's like I mean, nothing. If you give him, if you give, like, look at him compared to how he was in Las Vegas with the the weapons that he had in Las Vegas, he was garbage. I'm not gonna say garbage, but he wasn't good. Now he wasn't up to par. Yeah. Now he's got the weapons in New Orleans that he has, and he's playing better than he did in Las Vegas. Like, and I know it him, takes time you give with him these a different weapons, scheme. You give him these weapons, you give him the, and a better offensive line, you're going to have to improve the offensive line a little bit. It's just weird because what we saw in the preseason was much different than kind of what we're seeing now. Like, we saw, like, a, a guy that was just kind of slinging it down the field. Just I mean, yeah, but it's also preseason. Yeah, it's pre-season. He's playing against I, I, No, but he was playing players. against first-team defenses. I guess, so. but it's still it's it's preseason. You can't put too, too much faith in it. But like I said... He's easily like the best quarterback that we've seen since Drew Brees. I mean, yeah, that that doesn't mean obviously. he is Drew Brees. No, and it, it means that you shouldn't have these crazy expectations for him. But that does mean that you have to be okay with some mistakes here and there. You're not gonna. It's the NFL. You're just well, yeah, not you're gonna, not gonna have be a perfect. superstar quarterback year in year out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just I feel like as far as giving someone else a shot, kind of like what Nathan said, I just feel like it's completely unnecessary until the Saints consistently start. Losing, which hasn't happened. You guys are 2-0 for the first time in 10 years. Like, that's huge. And he said yesterday after the game, he said he was like, this isn't a good win for him. You know, he didn't have his best game. And he was going to do better for his team. And let's just hope he shows it. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, But should, like kind of Nate said, Pete Carmichael keep Taysom Hill involved? And how should they kind of utilize him moving forward? Yeah, I mean, like I said, just use him in the red zone. Not to be repetitive, but use him in the red zone more. I mean, he's just he, – he looks great in that open field. He's unbelievable he, on these quarterback draws especially. But, I mean, he's he's the perfect guy for extending a drive. And then you feels – like I said, you feels like you get him in the red zone and then you just leave him on the sidelines, which I think you need to not do. But other I mean, than that, I, I, lo- I love the way Carmichael's using him right now. I mean, I don't know. I feel like – Derek, I mean, the less faith you put in him, the less faith he's going to have in himself. I just feel like it's kind of not unnecessary, but we talked about in the group chat, like, he'll barely really did anything. I just feel like they need to put all their trust in Derek Carr, if I'm being completely honest. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, but he can be tricky to account he's, for. He's not going to be like a like a yeah, starting he's quarterback. Not, yeah, he's not going to throw the ball. But that's not who he is. He's, he's the guy you bring in on, like, third down yeah. to, like, stretch him out to the side or run him mm-hmm. up the middle and he's going to get you that first down or even a touchdown which I think he's capable of. I mean, to say he did nothing yesterday. He had hold on, let me pull up how many yards. He had 64 he had. rushing yards. Yeah, it's yeah. 64 rushing yards. I mean, on only 8 rushes. So, exactly. He yeah. was good last night. Yeah. And I think New Orleans should at least put him down there to block a little more if you're especially on the left side if you keep seeing pinning and and her yeah. struggling, but I think the Saints should put him in more sets at running back if you you ask me, and, and maybe give him some more of those read options that you saw at the end of the game. I think he did really good with that, but 
Uh, shifting over towards college football, this weekend was an eye-opener for a lot of teams, including one that is surprising many people for the wrong reasons. Alabama and Nick Saban struggled to, de- to defeat South Florida this past winning weekend, winning only 17-3. to There are many questions for this team, but first let's address the biggest one in college football at the moment. Who should start at quarterback against Ole Miss and why? Nathan, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to say Jalen Milrow, man. I mean, as as unfortunate as it is, he's <laughs> he's the lesser of three evils that you have and gives you the best chance to win, even if it is a crappy chance. But mm-hmm. he's just I, – I don't see how you can go to Buckner or Ty Simpson after either the, after he, those performances against USF. Uh, I completely agree. I think they should start Milrow as well. I mean, he's the best of a bad bunch, like both of you had said. And – to me, benching Miro was the wrong decision for the st- from the start because, I mean, how is he supposed to get any practice? If anything, his confidence is decreasing. And like I said on Sunday, Alabama is a football school, a quarterback school. And so, like, as long as Nick Saban has been coaching multiple years, I feel like they haven't had a quarterback issue, so they don't really know how to handle this. But I feel like kind of degrading Milro and benching him, I feel like that wasn't – the right move. yeah I agree like you said benching him in the first place was mm-hmm. weird and then you had Nick Saban I think just trying to play it off right I think it was today in the press conference as just like like oh well, I just he he proved himself as as a leader as like and like he was just trying to see if Jalen could prove himself as a leader which yeah. I think is like okay Nick yeah you're some like that is not what you had in mind you just thought he wasn't good and you benched him right you yeah. start to freak out yeah Raven you make a really good point like I think he should have never been benched in the first place Obviously, what you saw from him was kind of rocky, but like you said, how are you supposed to learn if you if you don't get yeah. all the in-game reps? Right. So, like, Nick Saban obviously putting all his trust in Jalen Milrow moving forward now, and you can't blame him after watching that monstrosity between Simpson and Buckner last week. Uh, just when you thought it couldn't get worse for quarterback play for Bama, it, it did last week. It did. But Alabama should definitely start Milrow simply just because he gives you that fighting chance. Look at what he did against Texas. Obviously, you didn't like some of the stuff that he did. He threw some tar- like he threw some interceptions, but when he wasn't, you know, forcing throws and going outside the pocket, he was actually doing pretty good. So I think he does give you a fighting chance against Ole Miss. But is this an issue that can be fixed by next week? No, man. No. <laughs> you're you're stuck with these three doofuses for the rest of the season, man. Like it's that you're just you have no other options. You tried all three of them. You saw what you have in them, and it is just not pretty, dude. Like. I mean, I'm not naive enough to like sit here and count out Mr. Nicholas Saban by right. any means, but boy, it does not look good right now. I mean, yeah, I pity Alabama, and I would love to say within these next five, six days, you can fix all your quarterback problems, but you can't. Yep. And like I said, I feel like those problems go back to benching Milrow. I mean, how is he supposed to learn? Yeah, and, and I, I kind of came up with this analogy. I said it's like a tire leak. The issue that can be patched this week, maybe, with, with Milrow, but down the line, it's going to hurt you it, to where if you run in a pothole with that same spot, down the line, it's going to blow. Right. So, like, you're going to get a, a game or two down the stretch that this issue is going to linger and it's going to build up, build up, and it's just going to pop, and you're going to lose a game because of it. But down the line, if they can't shape up, they're going to be in big trouble. I think Jalen Milrow is the guy going forward, but there's still so many questions at that position. And that's not even the only problem on this Alabama team right now. I think their defensive line is kind of struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, This is, like, crazy because 
this weekend, they got beaten the trenches bad. They got sacked five times. So what's the future for this Alabama team? You have, you know, coming up Ole Miss, Tennessee, A&M, Arkansas, LSU remaining. Does this team even have a shot at the SEC West title? I mean, I don't. They have no shot. I feel like every team in the SEC West, except maybe A&M, which I'm even starting to believe A&M can compete with Alabama, is going to give them a run for their money. I mean, I just feel like it's yeah. no shot. And I just I feel bad because Nick Saban's old. Every season counts. And this is just not Alabama's year. I feel like it's a waste. And I feel bad, but that's just the reality. I mean, look, I, I, I don't know. It all depends on this Ole Miss game really? yeah. this weekend. You think they like, could win? I think so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alabama has not beaten – or Alabama has not lost to Ole Miss since, I want to say, 2015. 15. It's been yep. a long time. And that was a luck game. Like, I think yeah. Ole Miss barely won that. Should yeah, I mean, that. and so I, I've i got Alabama, I think, finishing second in the West still. As bad as they look, it's still, like we always say, it's still Alabama. It's still Nick Saban. Yeah. Um, and then Ole Miss, even if they do – like, let's say they do beat Bama this weekend – They'll do what they always do and lose some games that they shouldn't late in the season and the wheels are going to fall off and they'll be the same old Ole Miss and Alabama will sneak their way back into that two spot. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Nate. I, I think Alabama definitely has a shot. I just don't think they have a shot at the SEC West title. Okay. I think they can still go out and compete with these teams, but like you said, they, they even if they go and do beat Ole Miss or if Ole Miss goes win, Ole Miss is going to go and lose against Mississippi State right. like they did last year when, when it actually mattered. Mm-hmm. Are they going to go lose to Texas A&M or an LSU like last year? But They're, they're the exact same team every year. Yeah, and, and but this year what's different is that Alabama is just not as talented. <laughs> and, and Alabama is actually going to go and lose another game this year. So I, I think their defense has also been just very disappointing in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback and then the offense along with the quarterback play – not a good success, um, you know, recipe for them. But next up, LSU defeated Mississippi State this past weekend by a score of forty-one to fourteen. Jaden Daniels had a terrific week, one of his best in his career at LSU. So let's talk about him. What kinds of strides did you see Jaden take this past week? Look, man, this is the Jaden Daniels that the prophecy foretold. Right. This is the guy <laughs> that we heard about all spring yep. and summer and fall. And then you hit that FSU game, and it was like that. It was like that Jane Daniels that we heard about was just a myth, mm-hmm. and that was it. We was we were never going to see that guy, but he has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. He is here. Um, he looked like that Heisman caliber quarterback that I thought he could be, um, and you know, obviously, it is still Mississippi State. Like yeah, they're is. one of the bottom feeders of the SEC. Right. But I mean, after that week one performance in FSU I just didn't think he was going to be capable of doing something like this I thought it was just going to be the same Jaden Daniels that we saw last season and then he comes out against Mississippi State and just absolutely lights him up he sets the LSU record for single game completion percentage with like a minimum of 25 attempts but that's basically the record yeah and then he's like dropping touchdown bombs on fourth and six Mm -hmm. like this is the guy that we heard about that we wanted to see and if he keeps us up, man, like we will be one of the best teams in the country. I completely agree. Nathan took all the words completely out of my mouth. A stellar performance by Jane Daniels. Shout out, Jane Daniels won SEC Player of the Week this week. So oh, yeah. Co SEC Player with Malik Neighbors, who oh, also put okay. up video game numbers. All right. Yeah, yeah and, and 
and Nathan, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but <laughs> you were there when I did say that on the Friday tailgate show when I said Jaden was going to have a phenomenal game. He did. And he did. Uh, he had his best game as an LSU Tiger on Saturday. He did. Everything was working for him. I said this on the Sunday show. It, But the deep ball, man, the deep ball especially was what shocked me. Mm-hmm. Put so many balls on a line, man, just on a line. And, and it was really impressive for him to go and take that step in his game this early in, in the season. I know he got a lot of hate after week one, but, man, that Florida State defense was ready for LSU. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and obviously the LSU coaching just – did not, you know, make it Jaden's game to go out and play the first game. But they're kind of fitting that to his knees now. So I think his confidence is going to spike after this week, after going and doing what he did against an SEC team, you know, moving forward. But let's talk about more, J.D. Uh, does he need to protect himself more? I Dude. Mean, definitely. <laughs> we were talking about this on the Sunday show. I feel like last season his mobility did this LSU football team well, and quite frankly, got us all the way to the SEC championship, if I'm being completely honest. But this season, Daniel just seems so injury prone. Every time he takes off running with the ball, he's not this big, huge guy. He's getting slammed and hit by these 200-plus pound players, and I'm just not sure how long his body is going to be able to be able to keep up with that. Yeah, man. I, I saw somebody on Twitter say, like, it looks like he's playing Madden with, like, the injuries turned off. Like, that's right. what he thinks is going on out there. He just like, gets right up, but I don't know how long he's going to be I mean, to... look, man, like, props to him. He thinks he's, like – or not <laughs> thinks. He is, like, the toughest player in college football with the way he just eats these hits. I but like, agree. Like you said, Raven, I just don't know how long he can, like, withstand that. I, I love yeah. the runs. He's doing great things with it. it. Juking guys out and stuff like that. It looks great. But just – Take a, take a slide every now yeah. and then, you know? <laughs> you have to. Yeah, yeah and I think Jaden just has to know what to take from the defense. But yeah. he's got to be so much smarter in terms of protecting himself. In, in games like this where you are already up by, like, three scores. So right. you just can't afford to go and take a shot like that because like. not all of them are all sunshine and rainbows. You're not going to withstand all those hits. You're not. Buddy, that was Mississippi State. If that was an <laughs> Alabama guy or or Georgia Bulldog <laughs> linebacker, buddy, you was not opening your like, eyes you after weren't. that. Jaden, so, like, we need you here on yeah. the starting, on the, as the starting <laughs> yeah, quarterback. Look, like, look, need you. <laughs> need uh, you. <laughs> like, please protect yourself. Stay healthy because, like, we cannot risk losing you. Please, Jaden Daniels, if you're watching this. <laughs> But when, like I said, when there's more important games down the stretch where you're going to actually have to put your body on the line, right, let right. it be one of those games that you do that. Not Mississippi State at 11 a.m. when you're up like 34 to 7. Come on, man. There's risk to take and there's risk and not to take. I, he was three feet away from out of bounds, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, what, and he tried to he? cut and then jumped. Yeah. And then got bumped. He, yeah, he, he tried, tried to, to stop jump. that jump and stuff, too. But. Shifting towards LSU's defense this week, that was really the uh, story of the week. They only allow 202 yards total. What was your evaluation of the linebacker group, and who impressed you in that? Yeah, man, look, so like just like I said on the tailgate show, uh, this was, in fact, the game where Harold Perkins finally got down that balance between yeah, right. coverage, dropping back, and rushing that edge. Like, he looked absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. this weekend. Um, I mean, dude, you saw him get... A pass breakup in the end zone. On a wide receiver. On a wide receiver. And then on the very next play, get a sack. Like, that is... I don't I don't think I've ever seen that before from any football player. Like, that is absolutely yeah. insane to me. Like, he might... I think he is the best defensive player in college football right now. I agree. And it's crazy to me how fast he was able to get comfortable 
in his new role. I mean, we talked about on Sunday. He was all over that field. I mean, he had one sack, but almost got to Will Rogers from a couple of angles, allowing, like, they got pressure on him, which scared him. I mean, it's just nice to see Harold Perkins returning back to his old self because I feel like against FSU and even Grambling, he was struggling a little bit. And I know yeah. during FSU specifically it wasn't his fault. It was a coaching thing, but – like I said, seeing him back to his old self is nice. We need that going into more SEC play. Yeah, and I mean, having him find that balance too, mm-hmm. like I said, makes his defense, like, it elevates it, like, makes it so much more dangerous than it was against Florida State. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think that he's finally starting to find his place. I think that, but really, uh, I think the unsung heroes of this game was Greg Penn stepping up in the role of Omar Spates and just in coverage this week. He was so disciplined. Just did his job. He really did a great job. And then you have Whit Weeks, a freshman, right. who, who you did not realize that how, how good he was. He contributed right away, too. He got to the backfield on most plays. He was rocking Will Rogers almost every play. But I, I think those two guys are some guys down the road that can actually play uh, in conference play. And don't just sit them on the bench. You know, Now you kind of figured out, hey, we have some depth now at, at linebacker, more than we thought we had. So... I think that's a guy that you really have to stick in more uh, and kind of get him out there. But uh, can the defensive line keep it up in terms of getting into the backfield and finishing plays? Yeah, I mean, they were explosive against Mississippi State. Um, They put a ton of pressure on Will Rogers, which I said on the tailgate show I didn't think would matter because of just how Will Rogers is. But I was thinking of the old Will Rogers in the old Mississippi State offense when you had Mike Leach just throwing it every single play. Now, in this new offense, it's clear that Will Rogers just is not that guy. And that defensive line was able to just completely take advantage of him. He also doesn't have any wide receivers, which doesn't help him. But, yeah, I I see your point. Uh, Raven, what do you think? I completely agree with both of you. My biggest thing now is just consistency. Like, you're going to play Arkansas next week. You need to perform exactly how you did against Mississippi Mississippi State. But they need to realize that it's going to be harder. Arkansas is a better team with a better offense. So I'm curious to see how they're able to hold up. Yeah, and, and in terms of the defensive line, I, I think we finally saw them finish plays. We finally saw them actually blow stuff up in the backfield. Even in the Grambling game, you kind of saw them unable to finish tackles in the backfield, kind of just not even block their last guy. But for this one, they just played so much better in terms of finishing those blocks and getting to the ball. So I, I think if they can continue to do this, I, like they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yep. And they're starting to mesh together. I think they're starting to find their identity. So um, I think going forward, this is not going to be LSU's problem. You know, I think it's still going to be the DB room, but they took a big step too forward. But right now, give me your college football playoff top four for the end of the season updated right now. Look, man, this is, I Crazy. think, maybe the most wide open, mm-hmm. like, craziest playoff race that we're going to see in college football like ever it's it's no one looks good right now i'm not saying no one looks good no one looks elite yeah Mm -hmm. no one looks unbeatable like everybody has flaws i genuinely like like me putting in a guess is just like throwing darts on a map dude like if i had to pick i would say georgia because of their schedule um probably putting michigan in there and then bottom two or maybe USC and Florida State. I just it's it's just so hard to know because like there's there's like six other teams I could also put in there. Right. For number one, I have Georgia. Number two, I have Michigan. Number three, I have Florida State. 
And then number four, I was tied between, between LSU because I'm biased and USC. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and I kind of have the same thing as y'all. I have Michigan at the one, Georgia at the two. I just think they're going to get wake-up calls. They're, they're not going to play teams as good as they used to. Um, I think Florida's going to give them a run for their money. I think Tennessee might do the same. But then I have Texas. I just think Texas' schedule is so, so weak. Like, I, I think they're going to roll through Big 12 uh, play. And then Florida State probably at four. It's going to be between them and USC. Uh, yeah. If USC goes and loses to Utah like they usually do, they're <laughs> not going to get in. But we're going to do something really fun now. We're going to do our new segment, the weekly Poo Poo Broussard Player <laughs> of the Week, which goes out to the worst players or player. Um, so this week, who is y'all Poo Poo Broussard Player of the Week? Well, look, so mine isn't actually uh, a player, okay. but I'm going with my Poo Poo Broussard of the Week is going to be L.A. Rams fans uh, as a collective. I mean, you looked at that that stadium. Uh, what is it? SoFi? SoFi. Mm-hmm. SoFi, SoFi Stadium out in L.A., man. <laughs> looked like a sea of red filled with 49ers fans. Looked like a 49ers home game. And honestly, Rams fans could win it. Could They could win Poo Poo Bruce Star of the Week every week for this <laughs> if I wanted them to. But I mean, yeah. But this week, it was like This apparent. week was just so bad. You had... Everybody from San Francisco went straight up to this game, dude. Like home game. Yeah, yeah. They thought it was a home game and they treated it like one and they turned it into one. It was yeah. absolutely embarrassing for the LA Rams, dude. <laughs> yeah, Raven, who are you going with? My poo poo Broussard of the week, player of the week, is number eleven on Colorado State because he made me upset. Defensive back, Henry Blackburn. So first, the late hit. On Travis Hunter, I don't know. That was unacceptable. Yeah, the cheap shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a dirty hit. It was. But, I mean, obviously mine is going to be the most apparent of, the, of all of them. I've got my weekly poo-poo Broussard. It's going to be players of the week. Obviously, you know what's coming. It's the Alabama quarterback room. <laughs> yeah. Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner combined for 107 yards passing total. All three of them poo-poo Broussard. And sacked five times. Bro, put me in at quarterback, and I'm throwing more checkdowns, <laughs> and I'm getting out the pocket more than Tyler Buckner. I, I mean, come on, man. Nick Saban needs to offer Andre. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I'm basically it, a three-star <laughs> automatically. Compared um, to those guys. But lastly, we're going to get some score predictions for this week. This is one of the best weeks that we can do this pretty much because th- this we're being treated this week with all the great college football games. So let's run through these real quick. Florida State at Clemson kicks off at 12 on Saturday. Who are we going with? I think Florida State's going to absolutely dominate Clemson. They mm. look, Clemson looks way worse than I thought they would Clemson's this year. Bad. They yeah. are bad. Yeah. So I'm going to say 42 to like 28 Florida State. Oh, that's pretty good for Clemson, 28 points. I have Florida State 35 to 10. Cool. That's a buck weapon. I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go 35 24 Florida State. I think it's really close at first, and then Florida State pulls away. I just It is still like an ACC big rivalry game, so I think there's still going to be a yeah. decent amount of competition. It, it will, and it's at Clemson, man. You yeah. can't rule out Clemson. But Florida State has a really good Valley. defense. I don't know if Clemson's going to be able to I know. I just, that's, I, I still think they'll win by a good— They're starting to find their identity right. on offense, so I'll give them that. But also it was against the FAU. I, it's so we'll hard see. to tell right now. That's why the line's almost even. Right. But— Let's move on to Colorado. Coach Prime going to get his first test at Oregon. I think he finally gets his first loss, man. I do. 
I just I I think the wheels have been have been rolling and rolling, and I think they're they finally hit a little bit of a speed bump with this game. Um, I'm gonna say Oregon, thirty-two to twenty-four is gonna That's be close. My pick. That's kind of close. Yeah, I just I I think because their offense is really good at Colorado. They got Shador Sanders is unbelievable. He's Gus really Edwards. good. Yeah, they will be without Travis Hunter too, which is gonna hurt them. That's big time. It's big time. He's probably the best player in college football value wise yeah. but yeah. um so that's gonna hurt i just think oregon is gonna yeah bo nicks man he's gonna do pretty well in this game yeah i mean this one hurts to say because i'm a colorado stan i think i even saw somewhere colorado was only favored to win like two games this season and they've already overrided that mm-hmm. but i have oregon winning 42 to 21 yeah i've got oregon as well i don't think this one's close at all i think it's 44 to 17 uh, going on to probably the biggest game of the week. Um, a lot of big ones, but I think in terms of the SEC shaping up, you have Ole Miss at Alabama. Who are we going with? I have Ole Miss winning 21-35. I'm going to say Bama, and I'm going to say in a really, really close game. Okay. I'm going to say 31-28. to I like it. Bama by a field goal? Bama by a field goal. I'm going Ole Miss by a field goal. I think Ole Miss finally has... Lane Kiffin finally gets a shot. Um, I, I'm going to go – I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game. I think it's 23-20. I like that. Um, but I think even with this win, I think Lane Kiffin, like we said, is going to go down the road and lose oh, like yeah. three straight he'll, or something He'll do like that. what Lane Kiffin does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, next we have UCLA at Utah. Another interesting one, in my opinion. Still no Cam Rising for Utah. Um, so this kind of affects the game. What are you guys going with? I'm I'm still gonna say Utah, man. I I think that team is really good. I'm gonna say thirty-five to twenty. Right. I have Utah twenty-one twenty-seven. I feel like it'll be a lot closer, but I yeah, think- I, I think this one. I, I'm actually gonna go with upset here. I think UCLA finally okay. kind of shows off Utah's okay. weaknesses. I'm gonna go. I think thirty-four to thirty-one. I think it's gonna be really close, but. Next up, we got Oregon State at Washington State. Another big game just in terms of Pac-12 shaping up. Um, but, Raven, let's start off with you. I have Oregon State winning 10-21. to 21. I'm going to say – I'm also going to say Oregon State. Um, I just think that – I think DJ Ugalele mm-hmm. is uh, – I think he's a lot better than I thought he was. I will admit firsthand that I, I talked a little bad about him. <laughs> and he's doing better than I thought. So, I'm going to say Oregon State – 28 to 10. Nice. I I have Oregon State by two touchdowns. I don't think this is as close as people are going to have. I got 38-24. But another another good game, we have Iowa at Penn State. This is a really interesting one because Penn State hasn't really been battle-tested yet, and then Iowa... You just don't know what to expect out of them. They're Iowa. You can expect 10 points. Yeah, and like a good defensive showing. Yeah. Yeah, so what what are you going with, Nate? I'm going to say Penn State. Uh, we'll go 24 to 6. I just, uh, that Iowa offense is horrific. I mean, like you guys said, I feel like Penn State hasn't had any real competition yet. So I actually have Iowa winning 17-21. Ooh, yeah. a little I just, upset. I like that one's going to be a good one. I've got 20 <laughs> to 3. Oh, okay. Yeah, twenty to three, Penn State. I don't um, know when the last time Iowa scored seventeen points was. They it it's very realistic. These things, things like in happen. conference play. Yeah, these yeah. things happen all the time in college mm-hmm. football. But I don't know. I just think I 
I'm just sticking with same old Iowa. At Penn State too. Yeah. I think that's a big Isn't factor. This, I think is this the whiteout game this week? No, it's not. Okay. Uh but next up we have the final game. Uh I, Ohio State at Notre Dame. This is probably the biggest playoff um implications of the entire season. Um uh, this is pretty much both of these team seasons on the line right here. Who are we going with? I'm gonna say um oof, man. I'm gonna say Ohio State. I just think that that they'll pull it off. I think I'm not just super high on Marcus Freeman at all. Um, I'm going to say Ohio State, thirty-four to twenty-one. You going Ohio State? Yeah. Okay. I literally said Ohio State. 34. I just like I said, I'm not high on Marcus Freeman, dude. I just I, don't think he's. I that think good. he finally gets his program uh, you defining. Know, defining win. Yeah. I think he wins. Thir- I think he wins forty-five thirty-eight. I think this mm. is actually a really high-scoring game. Um, but that will do it for us today here on the Hodges Huddle. Big thank you to Raven Freeman and Nathan Messina for joining me. I am your host, Andre Champagne, and this has been the Hodges Huddle.